0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. Today is Sunday, January 14th, 2024. My name is Melanie C., a recovered compulsive overeater from Canby, Oregon. The share ID numbers for Friday, January 12th, 2024, are the following. The 7 a.m. Eastern Time Big Book Study share ID number is 21034-21,034. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Big Book Study, their ID number is 21035-21035. This morning, A Vision for You presents Step 11. Today, we're privileged to have with us a special guest to guide us through the profound insights of Step 11 of our recovery program thought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Here you will find on pages 85 through 88 in the big book of of Alcoholics Anonymous, step 11, and you will find that it is not just an, an elementary shy step. It is written with directions, suggestions, and prayers for reflecting radically on the 24 hours that we have just lived through a clean sweep of the day. It is a practical application and exercise towards enlarging and deepening our spiritual connection, moving away from our spiritual malady. It's it's about enhancing our awareness, enriching our minds with the knowledge of higher power's will and being empowered with the strength to follow that path. The Big Book emphasizes the importance of maintaining a fit spiritual condition, recognizing that any of our strength, inspiration, and direction must come from a source much greater than ourselves in love, enlightenment, and humility. Step 11 is for this purpose. Our guest today, Allison L. from South Carolina, is a testament to the transformative power of Step Work. A recovered compulsive overeater. Allison has embraced the practice of prayer and meditation to forge a profound connection with a power greater than ourselves. Through her dedication to Step 11, she has experienced remarkable growth in wisdom, humility, humility, and intuition. Allison's inspiring understanding through the challenges and victories of recovery is a powerful example of how developing a vital sixth sense can lead to a direct and intuitive way of living, acting. Straight from the heart with the purest of motives. We are eager to learn from her experience and insights today and to discover how we too can deepen our spiritual practice and enhance our connection with higher power. Please join me in welcoming Allison L. to our meeting this morning. Welcome, Allison.
1: Good morning, Melanie. Thank you so much for the welcome and introduction. You hearing me okay? I'm assuming yes.
0: Loud and clear. You betcha.
1: Thank you. Well, good morning, all. I am Allison L. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in South Carolina. I have been in the program now for 10 years, and um, I'll start by just qualifying briefly before I dive into Step 11, but I, the bulk of my time today will be spent uh, specifically on Step 11. But so that you know, um, and my background, what brought me to OA, what qualifies me as a compulsive overeater. And um, as I said, I came to my first OA meeting um, in 2013 um, in the fall. I was 32 years old at that time, so I am 43 now. I was not at my top weight when I came into OA surprisingly, um, but I was at the height of using exercise and dieting to try and maintain some kind of weight. Um, I was continuing to binge and that was my pattern throughout my life was using food and exercise and dieting as coping mechanisms for my life. It it consumed most of my thinking and time and energy um, from the time, as far back as I can remember, as a preteen and as a teen is when it started. Um, I, I always had this idea or, or thought that I was chubby. I would hear people, you know, say it or um, hint at it from the time I was a small child. So that was just kind of always um, something I thought about myself. Um, I began dieting as early as a teenager. It, quickly morphed into bulimia. I saw this idea of bulimia on a Lifetime movie it seemed like a great solution to me as a preteen teenager to my problem, eat what I want, throw it up so I don't gain weight. I was not concerned with how it would affect me when I was older, or what the long-term consequences would be. I wasn't able to think in those terms at that time. Um, I used bulimia, binging and purging, throwing up on and off through my teens and 20s. There would be periods of time where I would use it periods of time where I wouldn't use it. But uh, during the times I wasn't using it, I was dieting and controlling, trying to control in other ways. Um, through some outside sources, I found ways to cope um, with, with, you know, life without purging regularly. But I would still binge and diet and think of food obsessively. Um, I didn't know that the way I was with food and the way I thought was different than how other people thought. I saw that like other people's weight didn't fluctuate their whole life and I was fascinated by how they managed to do that. But I didn't realize that they weren't consumed with thinking about when they would eat, what they would eat, what they already ate, how much they would lose, how much they would... I didn't realize other people's minds didn't do that. I only had my own mind as my experience. And I remember being fixated. What were other people eating and drinking and comparing myself and how were they, you know, I had this one friend as a teenager, she would, every time she went to the gas station, she would get a sugary drink. And I was like, that's amazing. But she would drink that sugary drink. And that would be enough for her. That sugary drink would lead me on to whatever else I could get my hands on, which I later realized, as I studied the doctor's opinion, when I came into program was, I have this abnormal reaction, an allergic reaction when I put certain substances into my body um, that causes my physical craving for more. And then when I'm dieting and not eating or drinking those things that cause that physical craving, my mind would want them anyways because I have the mental twist that the big book describes. My first three years in OA, I experimented Um, I began attending a Vision for You meetings uh, about 2014, sometime that year, and a Vision for You really laid it out so clearly for me and gave me a shift from these, it it felt in the local meeting I went to where people were dieting and using programs somehow was the gist I got. I knew there were steps, I knew there were, you know, um, tools, but I, I didn't really have an example of someone in recovery who was using all of that. Um, When I began attending Vision for You meetings and listening in, I heard it through the phone lines, people who were different than how they described themselves previously. So, my first three years in OAI toyed with the idea of being powerless and turns out toying with the idea of it doesn't work for a compulsive overeater like me. I think there was a point in those first three years where I believed that I was 99% powerless. Like I believed I probably had the allergy, probably had the mental twist, um, but that last 1% of uncertainty about whether I was powerless or not took me deeper into the depths of compulsive overeating to a point of complete misery. Um, And finally in August of 2016 was when I reached this point of throwing up my hands, and it wasn't like a pleasant, oh, I'm powerless. It was like a, oh, lots of expletives, I'm powerless, this is what I am, who I am. I am a compulsive overeater, and if I want to just not suffer a little bit less, but if I want to actually recover and have any chance or hope of what I hear in people who say they're recovered, I'm going to have to do what they do fully, not my way of picking and choosing. And so, that was the beginning of entire abstinence for me, August of 2016. Um, so I have been living in recovery since that time. Um, at that point, I got a sponsor. I was entirely abstinent. I began working the steps, and I've worked them um, ever since that time. So for um, seven years, my weight. Has been consistent over the last seven years, which is a miracle because I could gain and lose ten twenty pounds you know in in a week or <laughs> a couple weeks or in a weekend, I could easily gain five pounds. Um, but as I got older, of course, it took longer and longer to lose that. I could gain it quickly, but it took longer and longer to lose it so over the seven years, my weight's been consistent, meaning that i 've gradually and slowly lost weight and come to a point where my body is comfortable. Today, and my doctor, nutritionist, sponsor, you know, all agree that I'm at a healthy body weight. I have a, you know, small range that I stay within. And, and I notice now if I gain a pound or two, I feel uncomfortable in my body. Or if I go below a little bit, I feel, you know, a little uncomfortable in my body. Whereas I used to, to go up 20 pounds and be like, not even notice, you know, just put on a different size clothes and be okay because I had multiple sizes. Now I have one size in my closet. And over the seven years, I've had to, you know, go down a little bit in size, but then I consistently am that size for months and months and um, have been where I am now currently for two years, same size, same weight. Um, Yeah, I'm approximately 70 pounds from the top weight I ever saw on a scale. So um, this program works. Um, It all starts with that identification of, do I have the allergy of the body and the twist of mind that I hear people talking about my own experience showed me that I did. And when I admitted that I was powerless because of that over food, I'm powerless and my life was unmanageable, then I could start. And that began with entire abstinence. And then I began working the steps. And so today I live um, the steps as principles for my life. I use the tools to support that step work in my life as a foundation. And now I really want to focus on step 11. And step 11 is thought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Um, and so breaking that down, sought through prayer and meditation, the word sought is just It's, of course, the past tense of seek. So continuing step 11 work means I'm continuing to seek improvement on my conscious contact um, with my understanding of a higher power, using prayer and meditation primarily with my goal being to receive knowledge of this power's guidance and direction for my life and then help and direction in how to carry that out. And I have to, um, you know, Say that what step 11 does not say is I arrive at a perfect conscious contact at all times with a blissful zen feeling of God all around me where I'm never disturbed and everything's wonderful. That's what I wanted it to say. And that's um, somehow I got the impression pre recovery or the idea or probably a hope that that's what it was going to be like in recovery. And so a lot of my recovery is learning what it's actually like to live as a human being who has disturbances and feelings and um, confusion and boredom and all of those mundane things. Um, and and step 11 is always my touch point for how to rest in any discomfort, any joy, any, any situation I can rest in knowing that there is a power greater than myself that I always have access to and I can touch into that power and that contact and awareness anytime. So living in recovery and practicing step 11 um, can be wonderful and it can also be uncomfortable because, again, I'm a human being. Um, I was very comfortable being a human doing, always doing something, even if the something I was doing was sitting and eating or sitting and watching TV or sitting and listening to a book or sitting and gossiping. Or I was always doing something um, at times. And it would um, keep my mind busy so I didn't have to feel or think about what I was really going through or face my fears. And so step 11 allowed me to begin the practice of quieting all that down so that I can be with what's going on and rest again, rest with the intention of letting my higher power hold all of that and be my source of everything. Um, So starting in the big book on page 85, the last full paragraph before it even gets to step 11, it's like this precursor of, okay, where are we at up until this point before we move to step 11? And so, you know, it says we've talked um, about receiving strength, inspiration, and direction from the power that has all knowledge and power. And if we've carefully followed directions up till now, we've begun to sense the flow of this spirit into us. And to some extent, we've become God conscious, developing this vital sixth sense, and, but we must go further, and that means more action. So I'll talk a little bit about, you know, what do I feel, um, what did I feel pre-step 11 that um, moved me into that? Because it was very subtle. So after steps one through nine, beginning ongoing inventory with step 10 as I was making my amends, and this, again, seven years ago, um, I started to feel something more than myself guiding me and helping me along the way. I began more and more to notice that um, I was surviving things that I didn't think I would ever do or be able to survive, like step five, telling all the embarrassing, depressing, dark things I had done and thought and said and had been done to me, And something gave me the strength to do that and say those things to another person. And then something gave that other person the compassion, time, and generosity to listen. And the words to comfort and encourage me and help me see things from a different perspective um, through facing all my selfishness and fears. And something more than myself helped me make amends at step nine. Something helped me humble myself to all the people in my life, telling them how I had wronged them, even after I had denied it for years. And so to some extent I had become God conscious. I had begun to develop a vital sixth sense. And it it was very subtle, like I said, all, I, all it was was I survived all of that somehow. And what that looked like for me was keeping aware that there was a God who had helped me through all those things. There was a power greater than myself And if it would help me through those, perhaps it would help me through anything. And I was having to feel all the discomfort along the way, but I could survive it without eating compulsively, without picking up food, without having to do something to make it better. And so I began starting to look around, where might I find evidence of this higher power? And not in like a detached way, but in a way that was direct to me, things people would say or do that
2: reinforced
1: To me, the idea that that there was this um, God and maybe it wasn't reinforcing an idea that um, I thought I had had and then somebody said it, you know, all those, quote, synchronicities and and beginning to see them as signs of this higher power versus just um, coincidences or things I had done, but instead to shift my thinking. And then page 85 again at the bottom step 11, suggests prayer and meditation. And, you know, it says before that, that we must go further and that means more action. Then it says step 11, suggests prayer and meditation. That was kind of a letdown for me because it was like action. All right, let's do something. And so then it's like prayer and meditation. And I'm like, ooh, that's not the kind of action I had in mind because it doesn't feel like doing much to me to, to sit and meditate or to sit in prayer because I don't See or notice anything happening in that moment. So for me, action was writing a check, cleaning up a park, meeting a friend for lunch, go grocery shopping, make an amend, write an inventory, take a walk. Prayer didn't feel much like action to me. And meditation especially felt like the opposite of taking action to me. Um, when I first began trying to practice silent meditation, I remember sitting in silence and thinking, this is such a waste of time. And Following that, theme, that thought of this is such a waste of time came another thought that was not my own, meaning it wasn't natural to me. After I thought this is such a waste of time, this thought came. So spending time with God is a waste of time, just a question for me to consider. And that was not from my conscious thinking self. And that to me was a thought from this, this higher power, a new way of thinking, seeing, it gave me a perspective shift. It helped me think of meditation in a new way, as time sitting quietly with my higher power, whether I felt it or not, whether I felt like I was in action or doing anything or not, like I was sitting with a friend, not doing anything, not talking, just sitting together in the same place at the same time. And it helps me know that and remember that my higher power is always with me, um, but sitting and focusing on that fact lets me stay aware and conscious of it, to not get caught up so much in my doings, my actions, my thinking, and lose sight of what my real purpose is in living this life and the things that I do. Um, So then as I began to meditate, teachers began to appear um, when I was ready, as I was willing to sit and begin to By meditating, I met a woman who meditated regularly, and she was a spiritual director and a very spiritual woman, and I was drawn to her, and I signed up for this mentoring program, and I was like, oh, I hope she's my mentor, and then she was my mentor, and I felt so loved and cared for and scared at the same time I was intimidated to be around someone that I respected and wanted to learn from because I never wanted to seem stupid or less than or boring or unintelligent, but I had to be humble and admit there's a lot I don't know. I'm living a whole new way. There's a lot I don't know about how to live by spiritual principles. Um, and I had never read or researched or done a lot of prayer or meditation other than begging God for help when I was in trouble. Um, I mean, I had done my best to just survive my life, go to work, go to school, do relatively well according to the world's terms, while living act active addiction and hiding it, um, and so from the time I was a preteen all the way until, you know, in my mid-30s, that's how I had lived. So um, I realized it's okay to say to people, I don't know, can you teach me? And that was, a, that was new for me. So conscious contact with this higher power, breaking that down, conscious is being aware of and being able to respond to. That's the definition I looked up. So conscious is being aware of, responding to. And contact is touching Or communicating with something. And so being aware of a power greater than myself is conscious contact because being aware of this power greater than myself is a way of reaching out and touching something I can't see. So being aware that I'm always touching, always communicating with my higher power, and being aware that even when I'm not aware, it's still happening because my higher power, I believe, knows my heart, knows my intention, knows my motivations. And even when I'm not consciously thinking of my higher power, I trust is still there. And then my job is just to practice bringing back to my mind, oh, there's a higher power. Oh, there's a higher power. Um, My seeking and my intention is to increase my times of being aware and decrease the times of forgetting or not paying attention to what I'm thinking or focused on. And um, something that really helped me was a prayer that I came across um, early in recovery, and I found it through AA materials, and I don't know if it's anywhere in approved literature, but I'll just say that the prayer was basically, I don't know what I'm doing, I don't know where I'm going, um, I don't know if I'm doing your will, um, but I have a desire to do your will, and I believe that that desire to do your will does count. <laughs> it, it's, I get full credit that that's my goal and intention, um, and so I trust. That you're good and you're taking care of me, so that's my how I like to think of the prayer that I came across, and so it comes to my intention, my heart, and my mind, and that's enough. It's not about um, getting it right. You know, I, I can tend to be very. Or I'm getting it wrong and then I fail and I'm in trouble. But my higher power does not work that way. And a lot of recovery is learning that for me, is learning of, you know, that my higher power is very forgiving of, um, and that and there's no such thing as failure. There's just learning, you know. Um, and then page 86 in the big book, um, there are some definite and valuable suggestions about this prayer and meditation that they are suggesting. So we'll start with, you know, what they suggest we do at night. Constructively review our day. So there are specific questions here in the big book, and I use these. I've used these for seven years in recovery. I ask these, myself these questions every night, and I ask them with the intention that my higher power will inspire, that I remember what, what needs to come up for me and that, you know, it, it, I don't have to, Sit and try so hard to get it right. I can trust that my intention is higher power, bring to me what I need to remember about this day. Show me what I might have missed. Show me what I did well. Show me, show me, you know, replay it in my mind for me. And then I try to approach it neutrally and objectively as an observer of my day, not a judge of my day, um, because I'm not the judge. I'm not attached to good or bad, is my intention (laughs) at my highest spiritual self my intention is not to be attached to good or bad um and to do my my nightly review of my day with god and not thinking of what my sponsor or anyone else who may come across my inventory because i do share it with people um what they might think of it but to do it honestly so it's you know kind of coming back to that what i learned in step five um and my way of doing this changes from time to time. So for when, for a while when I first started doing it, I was using the, the OA app. And then I would, um, for a while I switched and I would write it down. Now, um, the last couple of years, I've been using my laptop to do it. Um, and again, it's, it's whatever is working for me at the time. Um, there's no right or wrong. It's about doing it. <laughs> wrong would be just saying, I can't do it perfectly, I'm not going to do it. That's the only way I can really you know, um, I guess cheat myself of, of step 11 is just by not doing it. So any way that I'm doing it with pure intention is, is, um, is good, is enough. Um, and it's this nightly review as suggested in the big book has become, it's what I do before bed. Um, I don't feel like I can relax and go to sleep until I've done it because I've practiced it, you know, every night for seven years. And so in the beginning, it was more like a chore. And now it's like, oh, this helps me like, it's like routine. I get to do this before I go to bed. It helps me relax. I know that I've released whatever there was. I don't have to go to bed thinking about it. Now, does that always happen? No, sometimes there are very intense things that happen in a day and I might still continue to think and and ask God to remove them as I'm going to bed but most of the time, the nightly review helps me just clear that all away. Um, and again, that's from practice every night. And some nights it feels like I'm not doing anything but just checking a box, you know. But my intention is still that my higher power be guiding me in it. Um, and there are times when I feel tired um, to do it, but I still do it. There are times when I do it in the early evening or the late afternoon. Um, it's, there's it wrong. As long as I'm doing it, any time that I'm doing it with awareness and consideration is moving towards conscious contact with my higher power and reliance upon this power that guides my life and saves me from where I would be if I were doing things on my own. And then page 86, it moves on down, definite suggestions about on awakening and what to do when we wake up in the morning. And for me, it's the same. It's a daily routine, a daily habit, a daily practice. My intention is to start my morning with awareness that there's a higher power and that I'm touching and connecting and communicating with that higher power always. So my mind, because of practice over seven years, it typically begins in my mind moments after I wake up. For me, it's the third step prayer. Moments after I wake up, before I open my eyes, before I do anything, I go straight into the third step prayer. And then it'll go straight into the seventh step prayer. And that's usually before I even get out of bed. Um, There are times I say it on my knees. There are times I sit and say it, um, you know, at an altar. There are times when I write it down. There are times when I say it out loud. There are times I repeat it over and over and over in my thoughts. And again, my intention is bring awareness of my thoughts um, that there's a power greater than myself and that I have access to this power. So my mind, I'm realizing, is is a muscle and it takes practice and repetition to, to train it, <laughs> to grow it stronger in the ways that I want it to be. So um, that's my, how I begin my morning very, very simply, very basically. The next paragraph says, in thinking about our day, we may face indecision we may not know what course to take. And so we ask God for inspiration to a thought decision. We relax and take it easy. We don't struggle. Now, sometimes it's easier than others to relax and take it easy. So if it's a decision, you know, like, should I go to the store today or should I stay home and clean? It's a little easier to relax and wait for an inspired thought or feeling to come and to trust, um, you know, it's okay. There's not really a wrong choice there. Um, But my desire is that I'm trying and listening for what I believe my higher power is guiding me towards. And those smaller, more mundane days and decisions are practiced for listening and trusting my higher power when it comes to the bigger things in life. So it's a bit harder to relax and take it easy when it comes to things like my children, their safety, their education. So an example of this, was a situation we found ourselves in. My family and I, before COVID, we found out that our oldest son—I have three children—and we found out at our time, at that time before COVID, that our oldest son, he learns differently, um, differently from the way they teach in the typical public school setting. And so he was beginning third grade, and we had him, you know, tested, and and they said, you know, he learns differently, and this is what the school needs to do to teach him. And when the school refused, um, you know, this was not a simple overnight process. It was continuous day and night prayer and then letting go of it and then thinking about it again and praying and asking God for guidance. And so these thoughts of homeschooling started to come to me and I was like, nope, don't want to do that. It was a very scary decision and not easy to relax about, but I just kept practicing that trust. And again, at this point, um you know i had I had some time, and I could remember God has removed the mental obsession that I had for food. I used to think about food all the time, and now i don't i don 't even want to eat the foods that used to be my 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 go to my life purpose <laughs> my only comfort, and now i don 't want them If God can do that god 's going to take care of this too. I can relax and trust and so Um, This seemed like an urgent and huge decision that needed to be made. And it really felt like um, I could mess up pretty bad, my life, his life, if I chose, quote, I'm going to say, quote, wrong. But through practicing smaller daily things, you know, I had built this trust with my higher power that there's not going to be a punishment um, if I don't somehow guess the right answer or if I accidentally choose from a place of fear or selfishness without intending to. Um, I can let go of those fears because my higher power has proven to me that's not going to happen. So those were some old ideas I picked up somewhere along the way that are not true of my higher power. And those ideas still to this day can linger unconsciously and through digging into my fears, I can sometimes locate them, bring awareness, and and let go of them um, through step work. So in this decision, I did end up homeschooling. And so, um, you know, when COVID came and the school's, shut down i was already homeschooling (laughs) for a couple of months and was like wow that's quite interesting isn't it It's like my higher power knew something and and guided me and you know had i decided to keep him in the public school system there wouldn't have been any punishment for that it would have just been a different decision that i would have come to with my with my family Um, so i'm going to move over to page 87 where it talks about, because I said, I don't believe there's any punishment, um, you know, if I choose wrong. But at the top of page 87, um, it does say, it's not probable we'll be inspired at all times. We might pay for this presumption in all sorts of absurd actions and ideas. Nevertheless, we find that our thinking will, as time passes, be more and more on the plane of inspiration. Now, when I read that, pay sounds like a punishment to me when I first read it. What I've come to see is it's more of a, um, I might just have to learn something the hard way. Like if I had chosen to leave him in the public school and fight against this idea of homeschooling, I would have ended up homeschooling anyways. So it would have just been a a delayed, um, you know, coming of what was coming anyways. And it it wouldn't be a punishment. It would just be, maybe I would have to continue thinking and fighting the school system longer than I needed to. so that's how I, I tend to think about that. And um, luckily, <laughs> there are tools and help in place for me to take advantage of and use daily to minimize this likelihood of letting an absurd idea run away with me. So in my intention to seek conscious contact and, and strength to carry out my higher power's will for me, I use the tools, the programs sponsorship, telephone calls, literature, writing meetings, action plan. Um, so when I got the idea to homeschool, even though it was nothing I ever wanted to do, I said I would never do that, could not do it. Whenever somebody, you know, would say they homeschooled, I'm like, oh, God bless, I could never do that. You know, that was me. And here I was faced with it. Um, but when I had that idea of homeschooling, I didn't just ignore the idea. And I also didn't just go take him out school the day that it came. I talked to others. I talked to my partner, his father. I talked to uh, a friend who did homeschool and had experience. Um, I talked to a friend that My Higher Power had placed in my life a year before who had the same learning differences as my son and had experience teaching kids with those learning differences. She was able to give me some help and guidance. I talked to my sponsor. I talked to my Asked for my higher powers' guidance, and then I would sit quietly without trying to quote figure it out, but just clear my mind. And that my higher power would let me know when and if there was something for me to do. And so, as I said, I did end up homeschooling a few months before COVID, and then we found out that my middle son also has the same learning difference. And at that time, we suspected, and now know that our youngest, who was only in preschool at that time and is now in second grade, also has the same learning difference. So. There I was already set up homeschooling when COVID came, and, and I had what I needed when we found out that our other children also needed this kind of education. Um, yes, so that was an experience that to me showed that practicing Step 11 then on the mundane, boring days got me through that type of situation as well. It works for whether I should go to the grocery store or whether I should homeschool my child. It worked in both situations. Um, the last full paragraph on page 87 oh it talks about um, making use of what is offered by um, religious people and I'll say for my for spiritual purposes any spiritual sources um, religious sources spiritual sources making use of the materials and prayers provided in the big book and we can also use these outside sources. Now, for me, the my foundation and my base that I start with is always what I learned from the Big Book. Third Step Prayer, Seventh Step Prayer, the prayers I learned all throughout the Big Book for, you know, resentments and fears and, um, yeah, I and what's in Step 11 suggestions. Those are my foundation. Those are my basics that I use every day to frame my prayers and meditations for the day, and then anything else i practice or use is just kind of you know adds to and grows that conscious contact and experience
3: and then at the
1: bottom of page 87 as we go through the day we pause when agitated or doubtful and ask for the right thought or action and again it's it's this practice of me being conscious that there's a higher power with me and within me at all times that I can converse with, rely on, listen to, listen for. Um, It's that practice of remembering and bringing into my awareness. Um, I had, I'll share an example of this yesterday, just yesterday, had a situation with my 11-year-old son where he had an all-out meltdown and, um, you know, was behaving in a way that was, Confounding for me and, and brought up this anger in me and um, reaction in me. And um, through practice, while I did have an initial reaction to him and begin to engage with him, I was able to step back very quickly and, and walk away and calm myself. And then I was able to go and be in his presence and sit quietly. And just let him have his, his meltdown and just provide um, a quiet, safe space. I would not have been able to do that if I had not practiced being able to be quiet with myself on a regular basis. And then um, it says, We constantly, back to the big book, we constantly remind ourselves that we are no longer running the show, humbly saying to ourselves many times each day, Thy will be done. And then We're in much less fear, much less danger of excitement, fear, anger, worry, self-pity or foolish decisions. And I experienced yesterday was um, my initial first thought was, oh, no, I'm not going to tolerate this and was to control and manage and yell back. And but um, I was able to quickly pull back and remember, oh, there's a higher power zoom out from this situation that's always big for me zoom out from this immediate situation Um, this is bigger than just how he's responding in this moment and me trying to control this particular moment
3: so being
1: in much less danger of these things equals me not being as reactive allowing that i can pause allowing that i can have a moment where my higher power can actually enter into my consciousness and have um, some influence over my thoughts and my um, my I can respond rather than react. Um, I do want to talk just a little bit um, about the AA twelve and twelve and what it says about step eleven, just because it was written when they'd actually practice it for a while longer. And so, um, even in the table of contents, I like what it says about step 11 in the AA 12 and 12. It says, um, this is again just the table of contents on step 11, um, that meditation has no boundaries. It's an individual adventure. I really like that um, because uh, for me, meditation, I have been through all kinds of adventures with meditation. And I wanted to share that for me, prayer and meditation. I can tend to, you know, as I began to practice it, it was very uncomfortable, didn't like it. But then me being the addict that I am, I was like, oh, this gives me a sense of, you know, peace and comfort. I'm going to do this a lot. And I read every book I could and tried every practice I could and and would, you know, for a while sit and meditate for a long period of time or 20 minutes twice a day, you know, silent meditation, practice in groups, listen to guided meditations. So it was like that pendulum of never doing this to swinging all the way to the other extreme was something I needed to experience. And now it's kind of swung back um, to the middle where my meditation practice, it fits into my life um, as my life is today. And, And I know that's okay. It's enough if I can't sit and meditate for 20 minutes twice a day today. That's okay. You know, there are some days where, you know, I may... And my meditation may just be repeating a prayer over and over again in my mind um, several times because I have a very active, busy life with a family. And I don't always have an hour to spend dedicated to prayer and meditation in the morning. And matter of fact, when I wake up in the morning, meditation, quiet meditation doesn't really work for me currently because when I wake up in the morning, I start thinking of my day and I ask God to guide my day and then I'm off. To, to thinking about that, and so a lot of times I find meditation for me at this current time is is more natural later in the day when my mind's not as active and my body is calmed down. Um, for me, prayer and meditation is it helps me to remember I don't have anything to prove, I don't have to earn anything. It's a practice. I'm just sitting. Again, sitting in the presence of this power greater than myself that's always within me, always around me, but I'm sitting to acknowledge it and to bask in it and to slow my mind down so that there's opportunity for um, my higher power to have more influence over my thoughts, over my mind. Something it says in the AA 12 and 12. Um, on page 98 on step 11, is that there's a direct linkage among self-examination, meditation, and prayer. And that taken separately, these practices can bring much relief and benefit, but when they're logically related and interwoven, the result is an unshakable foundation for life. And so the inventory process is about this self-examination and the nightly review is about this self-examination with the help of our higher power. and, and, when we learn the inventory process in step four, we're taught prayers are automatically woven into that. We ask that our resentments be removed, that we be given patience, tolerance, kindness, love for those who we resent, that you know, they have um, peace in their life. That's something I pray for. We're asking, we are taught to pray for our fears to be removed. Um, what would God have us be to take a look at? Am I relying on myself? Am I relying on my higher power? What's working here? Um, And so prayer was already built into the inventory process that I was taught through the big book and step four and on. And so that work continues daily and it just gets built into my natural course of life. And it's woven into, um, you know, self-examination is also a form of awareness. I can be more aware and objective of what's going on within me and how I'm, how I, how I'm being, um, how I'm at, maybe acting on old ideas or old fears or old resentments or current resentments or current fears, and having that awareness, then I can ask my higher power to remove them and bring into my, again, bring into my consciousness with intent that there's a higher power that can supersede these things, that can um, help me to move past them doesn't mean that I get an immediate sense of ease and comfort. Again, step 11 does not say that I live in constant bliss, as I so wish that it was, but human experience is not about that, as I've learned. There have been um, many examples. I gave the example of homeschooling, and I've given, you know, smaller examples of how daily prayer and meditation and conscious contact of my higher power and praying for knowledge of my higher power's will for me and how to carry that out have gotten me through those times. And um, there are many more examples that come. I mean, every day really there are small ways and then there are huge life decisions where that comes in into um, play. Another that I'll share before I close is you know, I, I mentioned this learning difference and I started homeschooling. Well, after homeschooling for a while, I started to feel like I, I am not meant to homeschool. And then I started to feel like we were supposed to move. And I thought it was just like a geographical cure. I was uncomfortable with, you know, the neighborhood we were in. I was, um, you know, I had some irritation with a neighbor I'd done a lot of resentment work on. i you know, wanted more nature in my life. We lived in a very small suburban neighborhood. And so I went to my fellows and I said, I'm having this idea like we are supposed to move. And I think it's just a geographical cure, but the idea never left. And my fellows helped me guide through and sort through asking me questions. And I kept praying and meditating on it. And and I started talking to my husband about it. who was like, nope, we're never moving. I'm living in this house for the rest of my life. I like it here. And I was like, okay, well, Yet God keeps bringing me this idea that we're supposed to move. And over the course of days, weeks, months of continuing to be patient and wait, meditate, and not try to push um, what I thought I wanted at the time, and through looking around, what options are there for moving? And then all of a sudden, after a couple um, months of, of this idea of moving, the idea came, we could move somewhere where there's a school, that could teach our kids. And then I would no longer have to homeschool. And that the relief that that thought brought, I didn't think it was possible, but that just the relief that that thought brought, let me know there was something going on with it. Um, And so again, I talked to my husband about it. I was honest with my husband that homeschooling was not something I could continue to do. But I also could not send my children to a school that could not teach them and made them feel like they were less than. And so what do we do here? Because the two options in front of us, neither one is acceptable to me. Um, and my husband agreed. He didn't want me to homeschool if I was, you know, struggling so much with it being a long-term solution. And he agreed we won't send them back to a school. So then what do we do? We began to research and um, and trust. And, you know, we prayed a lot. And my husband, you know, he relies a lot on my prayer and guidance and intuition. And I also trust he has some, even if he doesn't know he has some. So I listened to his his concerns, suggestions, ideas, and consider that um, higher power is also working through him. And so over the course of, of, you know, researching and months and, you know, we, I came across a a school that was starting up that was, you know, in South Carolina. We were in Ohio at the time. We lived in Ohio our whole lives. Everyone we knew was there. Our whole life was there. And yet I came across this school in South Carolina and you know, spoiler alert, we live in South Carolina now. You know where this is going. Um, this school was just beginning, and it was a charter school, and it was free. We had looked at private schools that taught our the way our children needed, but they were so expensive, and it wasn't an option for us. And so here was this charter school that, had, that was willing to teach our children and understood our children the way they learned, would provide an education that was what we wanted. And it was a new charter school, which meant we had a very good chance of getting in because they didn't already have a full student body, and we have three children to get in. And so that was, um, you know, something for us to consider. And again, I talked to my husband. I talked to my fellows. I talked to my sponsor. I prayed. I meditated. I waited. I relaxed and took it easy as much as I could, knowing this huge decision was looming. Um, and there were a lot of factors to consider. Um, I was not working at that time. My husband um, was the sole provider, and his job was in Ohio. Um, what were we to do? And so we started looking into, is it an option? We went ahead and applied for the school, you know, just doing the little things we could do um, and trusting we would. And one of we had some prayers we said along the way, bless it or block it. <laughs> so, you know, let us know if, if we're not meant to go to this school, don't let us get in. If we get in, then we know it's a consideration, you know. And another prayer that helped was let it be this. If what we were looking at didn't happen, we could trust, okay, this higher power has a better plan. Again, none of this was comfortable. (laughs) I want to make that clear. It was just these prayers that got us and got me through and remembering what my higher power had gotten me through all the way. And again, if this higher power can save me from compulsive overeating, I've got no doubts it can save me and I can survive anything without compulsively overeating and well, I will be okay. I may not be comfortable and I may not like what's happening, but I'll be okay in that I don't have to eat compulsively and I will survive and I will. there will always come another sunny day, so to say. Um, so um, we just kept following along and doing, you know, what, what I could do next. You know, look into, get a realtor, what would it look like to sell our home? You know, talk. My husband started talking to his work about could he transfer jobs. Um, you know, and and we did get in, and you know, again we did end up moving, and there was resistance from our family and friends who were like, "You're doing what for what reason? I don't understand." There aren't schools in Ohio or anywhere in between, and and no, we we exhausted all of our research, and this was where it seemed to be that we were guided, and and we trusted, and we've been here for our kids are now in their third year at this charter school, and, you know, it's not been, like, again, blissful and wonderful every single day. There are still challenges, but our kids are getting an education that um, we always wanted for them, and um, we're making a life here, and we still see our family and um, still trusting day by day. Um, Let me just check my notes, make sure there wasn't anything else crucial that I just have to say before I pass no I think I'm going to pass with that thank you so much for being with me today I pass it over to you Melanie thank you very much
0: that was lovely to be able to hear your journey very specific details and what you do each day and the expanded view of step 11 thank you very very much we will ask Allison for her contact information at the conclusion of this meeting. So stay with us for that and listen for when that comes. It'll be after the recording. The share ID number for today's Sunday special edition, it's January 14, 2024, so that you can go back and listen to it. There's much instruction there. 21037-21037. 21, so Allison, here we go. The lines are open for questions. If you all have questions for Allison, please unmute your phone by pressing star 1 on your phone keypad. Offer your first name, the first initial of your last name and your state. And then immediately upon asking your question, please remute your line again so that it can be nice and quiet for those that are coming through. Um, Who would like to ask a question this morning of Allison?
4: Mary Lee R. Mary Lee R. Mary Lee R.
5: Kim B. Robin P.
4: Robin
0: P. Robin P. P, Gotcha. Kathy K. Lynn. Kathy K. Lynn Lynn S.
2: Roxanne M.
0: Russ Ann or Roxanne? Which one was it?
2: Roxanne with an X.
0: Roxanne. Okay, thank you. M. Well, that's a good line. Let's go there. Mary Lee R., you're first, and then Kim, you'll follow Mary Lee. Good morning, Mary Lee R. from Oregon. What's your question this morning?
4: Good morning, Ms. Oh, Melanie, here, also you from Oregon. <laughs> um, so my question is, what are some of the steps you do when you feel like you're out of alignment with the spiritual path that you so wonderfully demonstrated and talked about that makes sense
1: absolutely very clear thank you yes wonderful question because this happens every day every day there comes a time when i feel like i'm just um you know I'm running away with, my thoughts are running away with me, I'm I'm into action, I'm doing, and I'm not pausing. And so when that comes, again, my practice is just trying to bring more and more into awareness that I can pause, that I can stop. At any point in time, I can stop what I'm doing and just breathe. And, you know, there's this magical thing that happens when I take a deep breath, it kind of resets, um, you know, my physical body and my mind, and allows me to remember there's a higher power. And just that little thing um, gets me one, you know, step closer to being realigned and reconnected. And I don't always feel connected. You know, there's not always a feeling associated with it. Sometimes it's just knowing and trusting, even though I don't feel anything. <laughs> um, but breath and breathing um, for me and and feeling what's present around me, so touching things and being like, oh, I'm here right now. I'm not at that place in the past that I was just ruminating about. I'm not at that place in the future that I'm worried about. I'm right here right now. Um, those are some things that help me, some practical things, breathing and touching. So thanks for that question, Marilee
0: R. Pass. Thank you. yeah, Thank you very much, very much, Marilee. Next up, Kim B. from Wisconsin, followed by Robin P. Hey, Kim, good morning, what's your question?
1: Good morning. Thank you all for your service. You all did a wonderful job. I appreciate both of you. Great share. Um, I'm Kim B, Grateful recovered Compulsive Eater from um, Wisconsin. My question is, and maybe you said this and I missed it, but just do you share your 11th step every day with like a, a fellow or a sponsor? sponsor? Um, yeah, so I was just
4: wondering, because I, I kind of got out of the practice, but yeah, I just feel like I'm just quick
1: and stuff and I have nothing really to share. So if you could just share that, I would appreciate you. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you. So very early on um, in my recovery, I realized that um, without using the tools of the program, like a sponsor, telephone and, um, and writing, um, which for me includes sharing my 11 step, without another person seeing it, it it doesn't mean quite as much to me, and I don't take it as as seriously um, if I don't think someone else, if there's no one else to receive it and hold that with me. So yes, very early on, I started sharing it with other fellows in recovery via email, and sometimes there's feedback. Some, most of the time, there's not. It's just knowing I'm not alone, and that helps me. Um, for the past several years now, I've... Um, worked with a sponsor that i talk to daily and part of our daily call is i read out loud to her um, my nightly review that i've written um and i do a reading and writing assignment and and read her my food as well so it is part of my practice and has been all along to share it with somebody somehow yes i'll pass
0: thanks kimby for your question next up with a question is robin p followed by kathy k good morning robin what's your question
5: Good morning, Melanie. Thank you. Thank you so much for the wonderful share this morning. I'm Robin P. I'm a very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Costa Rica. And I really appreciated everything you said about moving and, and uh, traveling. <laughs> Ditto. Um, and so we're about to travel to um, Europe to look there for half the year. And so I really appreciated the confirmations I heard today. Uh, my question is, is working with sponsors, with their 11-step uh, work and developing uh, without, uh, just how do you help them in a way that still gives them the freedom to find their own path but still helps them? Thank you.
1: Okay. I um, I just want to confirm your question because for me, for some reason, it cut out a little bit. You're asking about how I help sponsees with Step 11 in their own way. Um, in a way that works for them. Was that the gist of the question, yes. Robin? Yes. Okay, thank you. Yes. That's a mm-hmm. wonderful question. Yes, because what works for me, like breathing and silent meditation, um, I come across people who that absolutely does not work for them. That's not their thing at all. And so um, we, we work on ways that do work for them. It's about practicing. I mean, there's walking meditation, there's chanting, there's repeating prayers, there's writing meditation, there's all kinds of ways to connect with a higher power. And so I encourage sponsees to find what works for them and not to focus on what others are doing and what doesn't work for them. Again, you know, um, meditation is this, you know, big, wide open thing. And so is prayer. It's, it's not a right or wrong. It's about um, finding what works for us. And again, in the um, in the um, uh, 12 and 12 on step 11, is in the table of contents, meditation has no boundaries. It's an individual adventure. So I just try to remember that and encourage them to, you know, start with what's in the big book, however it works, whether it's to say those prayers out loud, silently, write them down read them, whatever it is, you know, record yourself saying them and listen to that. Um start with those and then, you know, if if they have a religion, I encourage them, please use what's it within your religion that helps you. What's comforting and what helps you feel connected. Just like, you know, when I got the question, what helps me reconnect? And I said breathing and touching things around me, something else may work for someone else. So it's just um supporting them in that um, and, and encouraging them that what they're doing that is working for them is is right for them and is enough and it can change at any point in time. That's the beauty of um yeah a higher power is not limited in those areas. i'll pass.
0: Thank you, Robin P for your question this morning. Kathy k you're up next and then Lynn S <clears throat> will follow you. Hi Kathy, what's your question? Hi, Hi. thank you, Melanie. And thank you, And it's so great to hear you this morning. Um I am curious because uh, after you moved to uh, your new home and your kids got into their school, how did that affect you, your life and your program? Uh, I'm thinking about periods when we face dramatic change and how we can use practices to navigate those changes.
6: Thank you.
3: Yeah, that's
1: a great question, Kathy. And I mean, I think that's why the daily practice is so important because the daily practice, it like sets up this framework for my life so that no matter where I am, what's going on, I have the safety of my um, daily program work and, and framework. So the prayers I said in the morning were the same, whether I was in Ohio, on the road, living in a temporary hotel, living in an Airbnb when we, you know, didn't have a house yet Mm -hmm. and we moved in our new house, I started my day the exact same way. It didn't matter what bed I was sleeping in. And Mm -hmm.
6: that's,
1: you know, like a sense of safety and comfort in doing the same things every day. Um, They may look a little different. They may feel a little different, the different times, the different locations. Um, But that, for me, is how it helps. It gives me a sense of I'm safe and I'm home no matter where I am. And my higher power is with me wherever I am, too. So that's how it helped me in that situation. I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Kathy Kaye, for your question this morning. Lynn S. from Canada, your question now, and then followed by Roxanne.
4: Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, Allison. Allison, you may have already answered this um, with the first caller, but What I'm having so much trouble with is I get into something like I was having a trouble with Google or with Amazon or something like that. And I get into it and I do it and I do it and I do it. And after I've exhausted myself or spent hours on it, then I say, oh, my gosh, Lynn, you never went to God. And I heard you saying, you know, I can breathe or I can do this. I don't even think to do that until after the fact. I just wondered, is there is there anything else or is it just repeated practice or repeated saying, Lynn, you you know, try harder to go to God? And I'm, I'm just wondering if there's anything else.
1: Yeah. You know what I heard there, Lynn, was like the miracle is in the moment where you say, oh, my gosh, we didn't go to God. That right there is the moment where the, the awareness comes. And, you know, it, it's never too late you know, you, you may have, um, been frustrated more than you needed to, but, um, it's about looking at the progress. Maybe there was a time when you would have spent all day never having the thought, oh, we could go to God, but now the thought does come. So it's for me looking at the progress, not so much the, why didn't I do this, you know, five minutes ago or 10 minutes ago or an hour ago. It's, oh, look, I'm, I can do it now. Oh yeah. And, and having some, um, lightness to it like oh you know there i go again doing things my way you know worked for a couple hours and didn't even think to ask god for help with this problem um and and let it just be uh, remembering that but i can now and and it's okay it's my human nature to forget and then to come back to it so i hope that helps but it happens to me all the time lynn
4: (laughs) It does help. Thank you very much. You turned it right around, and that makes all the difference. Thanks, Allison.
0: Yeah, thanks, Lynn. Thank you, Lynn S., for your question this morning. Roxanne, we're going to be listening to your question in just a moment, but I want to let folks know that the lines will be open for additional questions. We have plenty of time. But for now, we'll hear from Roxanne with her question. Roxanne M. from Iowa.
2: Um hello yes my name is Roxanne um and from Iowa and uh thank you all the Sunday team Melanie um and Allison thank you so so much on step 11 here uh my question is related to well you gave a beautiful example of when you connected with higher power and in, in imagination and around the schools um and you said, "I felt release, and that's like a clue from a higher power and i'm i know i've noticed that when I have had clues, usually it's like a vibration it points to i'm going i'm about to have a spiritual awareness, and that's just so rich and I'm wondering if you could um elaborate on that um uh, around that experience of higher power leading you to something that's about to happen. Maybe it's another thing. Uh, you gave a beautiful example. Thank you for that.
1: Mm, yes, I like I like what you said there, that um, there can be feelings that I get that let me know I'm on the right path towards something here, um, like the relief. Like you said, like the relief I felt when I had the idea, oh, we could find a school for these kids. And I've had it, um, you know, there was a, um, somebody mentioned to me um, about a, a program they had gone through, The you know, like a, a certi- certification program. And as soon as they said it, it was like that, the word they said, the name of the school they said, just stuck in my mind and was like a, hmm. And that was enough. That was enough for me to just, um, and it wasn't even that conscious. It was just like a, that word stuck out more than the others. And I found myself thinking about it um, and considering that for myself. And, you know, and that let me know something for me to look into. And, you know, there are sometimes um, I will feel like a, a tingle is the best way I can describe it, but like, um, yeah, like a tingle in my fingers or my body if if I'm, you know, and it can be little things like I'm going to pick something to wear for the day and I'll put my hand on something and be like, ah, oh, yes, this feels like the one, you know, silly little things like that that aren't so silly, but are, you know, um, and then it transfers into these these bigger decisions and help me. It's about listening to that, that um, what is God's will for me and the power to carry it out. The more I can Um, notice and practice with the little things, the more I can feel confident in the bigger things. The hard times are when I don't get any feeling and it's like, oh, I just have to wait. I don't like that. Give me a feeling. So, um, but yes, I do get all kinds of different little feelings or knowing it's, you know, I have a friend who says, I look for what sparkles. And so anything that stands out, sparkles, sticks with me, tingles, whatever word, um, I, I start paying attention to a little bit more. So I'll pass.
0: Agnes. Thank you, and from, uh, oh, Agnes A has a question. Wonderful. Anyone else with a question this morning? There's several of you on the line today. Out there, there's burning questions out there. Danny Star, one to unmute. Say that again one more time.
6: Danny, Danny T, P. Is that Melanie? Da- Danny, Danny P. Danny P. Is in Peter. Peter. Deborah M. Yeah.
0: Okay. Okay, gotcha, Danny P. And Deborah
6: S., like Sam. Yes, thank you.
0: hmm Anyone else with a question this morning? We have time. Well, while the clock is ticking, we'll go with these three for now and see what happens. Agnes, A, hey, your question this morning.
7: Jenny M. I... Gotcha, Jenny okay Thank you. hi i'm agnes a from california and um i'm struggling with jet lags but uh for some reason that got me to hear what you had to say and that means a lot because i got a lot and in in terms of meditating and just not being sure you know this big decision that i'm making this upheaval this geographic relocation You know, I pray, I meditate, and I still don't know whether I heard God right. And uh, if I'm still agitating about it, if I'm pulling up stakes, moving, making plans, and I'm still feeling anxious, like, is this really God's will for me? Do you have words of, of how to spiritually make peace with it? If there's still so much anxiety and I'm unsure that this is God's will, you know, for me, how do I square it away so that I know whether to go or not to go? Does that make sense? (laughs) Oh,
1: yes, 100% makes a lot of sense. Um, For me, that was about looking at my fears. You know, I need to do a fear inventory. What am I afraid of if I go? Because, you know, it sounds like there's, you know, maybe a fear that I'm gonna choose wrong. So so then what happens? What if I choose wrong? What will happen? My life will go up in flames. What am I afraid is going to happen if I go and it was quote unquote wrong? Um what am I afraid of if I stay and quote unquote I was supposed to, you know, do something else and that's wrong. Um and for me it it usually, you know, comes down to looking at those fears, looking at where's my trust and reliance? Because I'm trusting and relying on God to give me, you know, to guide me but I'm also back in my human thinking of there's a right and a wrong. And for me, I, I've come to this place with my higher power where I have to look at it differently, that there's not a right and a wrong, but that um, I'll be supported either decision I make. And one path may, um, you know, take me somewhere where there might be more struggle or might not be more struggle. I don't know. It's that unknown that I'm afraid of. And... Um, that comes back to, but in this moment I'm okay because the unknown is the future. And when I get there, God will be with me. But when I am thinking about the future in my mind, I'm all alone and there's no God I'm trusting and relying on myself and I have to figure it out. And Oh my gosh. But when I come back to this moment and look at my fears and what I'm afraid of and can trust and rely on God and realize I'm okay in this moment and ask God, you know, bless it or block it, let it be this or something better and let go of this idea that there's a right or wrong, and it's all this pressure on me to choose correctly. Um, that's what helps me, um, again, starting with that fear inventory, and then it guides me to those types of um, prayers and considerations and bringing back to where I am today and trusting and relying back on God and what God had me be right here and now. So I'll pass.
0: Thank you, A. From California for your question, Danny P. You're next for a question for Allison, and then Deborah will go after you. You want to press star one, Danny? There you go. Hey, Melanie,
6: can I be heard?
0: Yes, loud and clear. Thank you. Good morning. Thank Where you. Where are you from,
6: Danny? <laughs> Thank you so much. Good morning. Okay, I'm Danny P. I'm a recovered compulsive reader, and I'm from Brazil, but I'm currently in LA. California. Uh, So, thank you, Melanie. Thank you, Allison. Such a beautiful spiritual guidance, spiritual connection. My question for you is, how do you address, because I was taught by my sponsors and my, my wonderful big book teachers that meditate is asking God to direct my thinking, and then I think. This is how God is talking to me. So, how do you address the meditation in the Big Book, and meditation in the Eastern culture as a practice? Thank you.
1: Allison, are you still with us? I'm sorry, Melanie. I didn't quite get that question. Could she repeat that?
0: She probably could. What I followed is that um, she was interested in knowing um, with your meditation, what you do, how do you address the Eastern practices, which I think would be a little bit outside the, the realm of our traditions. We're not talking about, of course, specific religions here, as you might understand. But, but um, Danny, if you wanted to come back on with the star one, to um, ask your question because there was a bit of breaking up in there. I, I wondered if you noticed that too, Allison.
1: Yes, I couldn't it, Can I, I be heard?
0: I, yes, yes you can. And did we have a question I right? Is that working? Okay. Yes. Thank we you. I want to make sure that's within yeah, the tradition. We, speci- we don't speak about specific we don't speak okay. about specific religions.
6: Okay. Okay. Yeah. It's how uh, she navigates between the difference in meditation, how meditation is in the big book and how in the current concept of meditation? Okay.
0: What is the current content concept of meditation? That would be an interesting thought. I think that all we have to offer here is what comes from the Big Book. But I'll I'll I'll, I'll, I'll acquiesce, Allison, and give that to you. But I I want to make sure it's yeah. within our traditions.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, I'm going to come back to the twelve and twelve where it says that. Um, meditation is um, has no boundaries. So I think that's all-encompassing. Um, yes, there are specific guidelines and suggestions in the big book, but it also tells us we can make use of outside sources for prayer and meditation. And so I think that would include whatever works for you. So, again, I say the prayers from the big book, and I, I meditate on them, meaning I let them... You know ruminate in my in my mind and in my thinking um but i also do use you know other sources that are available to us so
3: i I think
0: that's the best i can answer it i'll pass thank you very much thank you very much danny i hope we i didn't complicate things for you with that and certainly grab up allison's telephone number because that's a place where you can have some deeper conversations on perhaps the differences there. I think that would be a great idea. So that'll come at the end of the meeting here. Thank you so much for that. Glad that you spoke up. Uh, Deborah S. from Texas, your question this morning.
1: Hi, good morning. I'm Deborah S. from Texas. And thank you, Melanie and Allison. This is a wonderful dialogue. Um, Allison, I was wondering if you could expound a little bit. um, You said synchronicity versus consequences. And um, in these last few callers, you you have expounded on it regarding fear and having to sit through the uncomfortableness. But I'm just wondering if you could expound a little bit on how you connect the dots. Synchronicities and consequences? I'm sorry, I don't remember connecting those. <laughs> if I did, I'm not sure. Um, um, I'm sorry, I may have said the wrong I think instead of consequences, I meant coincidences. Um, I think that's what I may have said the wrong word, because I remember talking about synchronicities and seeing them not so much as um, coincidence, but as my higher power. So I'm sorry if I said the wrong word there. That probably will clear it up, um, because I did not mean to to somehow connect synchronicity and consequence. So I hope that helps, Pess. Great. Thank you so
6: much.
3: Thank you, Deborah.
6: Uh, let's see, Jenny A.
0: You have a question this morning for Allison. Hi, Jenny a um from New just, Jersey.
5: Yeah, hi. Yeah, actually it's Jenny M. But okay, um Jenny also M. Yeah, thank you. I'm from North Carolina and um I I relocated to New Jersey and that's part of my question is um I recently Relocated, and I felt like it was something my higher power wanted. To um, it just kept coming up, like you said, happened to you over and over and over again. That I should consider a move. Um, and my question is, did how did you um, get? I know it sounds like an obvious answer, but starting with you know, did you start going to? In-person meetings, there aren't as many where I am. And how did you get your, um, maybe your program back in line? Because I I do a lot of call, you know, the call meetings and the Zoom meetings, but there aren't as many in-person meetings. I was just wondering if you had that experience. And also my second question is, how did you get your God Squad, you know, um, together? Like if you could give any kind of, you know, feedback on what that process was like for you. Thank you.
1: Yeah, thanks, Jenny. Um, So I already had the people that I talked to and my support network and my sponsor and my meetings that I went to, none of them were local at the time in Ohio because this was during COVID. And so the local meeting was already closed. Everything I was doing was via... Zoom, FaceTime, phone calls, Um, and so when I moved, nothing changed. I still talked to those people. I still went to the same meetings. I haven't been to a local meeting since I've moved. There was a local meeting in Ohio that I, you know, the one I started going to, and once a year they have me Zoom in and speak at that meeting, so I still connect with those people in that way. But, um, yeah, and as far as how I built my connections and my fellows, and it was um, about putting myself out there, calling people, asking questions, asking if people wanted to have regular calls. Um, Building relationship over the phone was challenging for me. What helped was when I did get to see people in person, I was intentional about going to conventions um, when A Vision for You had them in 2017 and 2019, um, which helped because then I saw those people in person. And then since then, I get together with people, um, travel, you know, to see people. They travel to see me. We meet in the middle. We do things together. Um, they've become, you know, part of my, my life as friends, not just, you know, program people. They're my people. They're my friends. Um, and so, yeah, but initially it was just about continuing to make calls and put myself out there. Um finding those people that the phone calls just kind of flowed and continuing to, to reach out to them. And um yeah. Yeah, that that's the best I can answer
0: on that. Thanks, Jenny. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Jenny M. Um, now we located in New Jersey. Hey, it looks like there's time for at least one more question this morning before we close the recorded portion of our day. Anyone have a question
6: this morning? hand out our date? Jeannie one, B. Please. from Florida. Jeannie B.
0: Okay, let's take one more just in the event that there's one more chance. There might be room for two. We'll see. Who is that uh, yes, this
1: is Anna M.
0: Anna M. Where are you from, Anna?
1: I'm Pennsylvania.
0: Okay, we may get to, we'll see, but I would hope to.
5: Okay, Jeannie B., your question first. Hi, good morning, Melanie. It's Jeannie B. from Florida. Thank you, Allison, for your beautiful share. My question is, um, I woke up this morning and had a blue, an emotional blue, uh, kind of dominating. And as I was listening to your talk, I was thinking even if you don't experience moments like that, that your wisdom and your other experiences may help you guide me in how, how to cope with that when there's just something that feels not a thought, but an emotional blue. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah. Thank you, uh, Janie. Uh, I didn't really talk much about emotions and feelings and um, I have them all, and I feel them, and I have days where I'm um, sad. I've gone through losing people and grieving um, in recovery. And, um, yeah, what helps me with, with that is to remember I'll probably wake up tomorrow feeling differently, <laughs> um, to remember that I'm going to do the same things today anyways, to remember that I can act better than I feel. That helps me to not cause harm to myself or others because I don't like making amends, <laughs> to be honest. So I, I really try to act better than I feel so I don't have to make amends. Um, uh, yeah, and just continuing to, to practice. And the more I go through days where I feel those things or I grieve or I wake up feeling off um, or in a funk or sad, um, I, I just, trust I've survived all those days so far and um I will continue to. So I feel it, I go through it, I act better than I feel if I can. I also allow myself to feel it um in, in safe ways, you know? And um and I, I share it with my higher power. I don't really like how I feel today. Um, you know, it's not always about I have to remember it's not always about fixing it. That was what my um, you know, compulsive overeating was about. I was trying to fix it and my solution was food. Um, I don't always have to fix it now. I just have to sit with it sometimes and act better than I feel and make it through the day. Not every day is going to be spectacular, and that's okay. Uh, I hope that helps. Thanks, Janie, for the question. Pass.
0: Thank you. And then, Anna, I think we do have time. Just a couple minutes here. Anna Anne from Pennsylvania, your question. Yes,
1: thank you. That will wrap us up today. Mm -hmm. Thank thank you so much for squeezing me in, and uh, thank you for a wonderful share. I just wondered... um, you know, I've asked the
2: uh, higher power. I love my connection with higher power. And I've asked for things or guidance, and I've gotten wonderful miracles. But there are some times when I'm not getting the
1: guidance, <laughs> nothing is happening. And it's been a long time. And I just wondered if you could have any um, experience, strength, and hopes around sometimes when nothing's manifesting in an area and no guidance or something. Or any any
2: suggestions on that or experience? Thanks.
1: Yeah. Thanks, Anna. Yes, that does happen to me. Um, We've been here in South Carolina for two and a half years. And I mean, once we moved, I was like, okay, let's find friends. Let's find a community. Let's get things started. And for a while, nothing was coming. Nothing was happening. Or I'd get a thought to go, you know, to this event and I'd think, okay, this is going to be it. There's going to be people there. I'm going to make friends. And nothing would come of it. Um, Sometimes I have to remember God doesn't work on my timetables. What seems like a long time to me God's like, oh, don't worry, it's coming. Well, it might be coming in five or ten years. I don't know. So it's just, again, um, trusting, doing the next right thing. I continue to keep hopeful and um, remember I have everything I need today. And sometimes if there's not a direct answer coming, if even if there's a decision I have to make and I can't wait any longer, again, I have to trust. There's not going to be a wrong choice. There's just going to be a choice, and I'll be supported either way. And If I'm waiting for something, you know, I like that word manifest. I'm waiting for something to to happen, to manifest, or or come to fruition that I've been praying about asking for or sensing is coming. It's just sometimes about waiting and being uncomfortable and um, doing the best I can today and enjoying what's around me today. I practice gratitude every day, which helps because it helps me remind remind me that while this thing isn't happening or I'm not seeing what I want to see, look at what I have, you know, to be grateful for today. So, um, and then I'm not alone. Outreach with others helps me remember I'm not alone in the waiting and wondering and unknown and mystery of the higher power and this practice that we do living in the spiritual realm in recovery. So, thanks, Anna. Sending a prayer for you that you begin to feel or sense something soon. I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Anna. And that will be the last question for today. We're going to wrap up this recorded portion by reading from the big book in our usual fashion from page 164. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got.